It's off the Leonard. Defended by Simmons. Is this the dagger? was a bona fide scrub. He can't play. Walker fires downfield, looking for DJ Moore. Oh, oh my God. It's a diving catch from Panthers. Touchdown. Be a dog. Tybrook can take the right corner three. That's off. CJ Hunley with the pump. Oh. And he puts it in at the buzzer. Oh, deadly deep. It's caught by Christian Horn. Here on the outside. And it's the Lord. Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Welcome back to another episode of Sports Wrap, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorney at law. I'm your host, Lucas Warren, and I am joined on this Thursday by David Katzmeyer, Ryan Hendricks, and Riley Carlson. Guys, how are we doing? I am doing fantastic, purely because I will be sitting on a couch in two hours, watching NFL football. That, that's a pretty good reason and, to be ecstatic. Yeah, You know, it's been a long day. It's been a hectic day. I'm tired, and I can't wait to unwind and watch football tonight. You're right, David. Can't wait to stay inside with all this rain going on today on the mountain. Just stay inside, watch some ball, kick back. That's all we need to do. Yeah, I'm I'm fired up for this one, guys. Listen, if you are a better, if you are if you are in the betting world, lock in the pick'em today. Lock in the pick'em. I would not be surprised if every single pick is right on the money today. Yeah, you know Riley's excited. Parlay, man. You hear system, it in the voice. System, schmistum. He said it's a lock. Whatever. David's the the you know he he does everyone that's ranked higher than everyone. He just he's oh, Mr. Chalk over there. Mr. Yeah. Chalk. That's what I was trying to come uh, up with. Chalk. Mr. Chalk. It took it took a two minutes for me to get <laughs> completely jumped on. Yeah. So and you're gonna get jumped you, on by my grandma when she comes to Boone. She's still she's still she's coming got after an eye you, for you, know? David. Yeah, watch that. What did what did she say after the last show? <laughs> I, I don't I can't say the word on air because I no when I when I on uh, on Thursday or on Tuesday. Yeah, she said uh, tell David I'll kick his rear end, <laughs> but didn't there say was, rear end. There was Posterior. no there was no update after I apologized. Oh, you're talking about when you said sorry. Yeah, yeah she didn't. She's, that was a fake apology. She don't want. Uh-oh. Wow. Wow. I, that came from the bottom of my heart, man. She knows you just you don't want the smoke. Crocodile tears. Wow. I'm, I'm hurt by that. My grandma's from Brooklyn. She don't, she don't take that, you know? She, you disrespect her once. I got I it. got the heart of a Southerner. No David, where are you? <laughs> David, where are you from? From Charlotte. From Charlotte? Bro, David's from Charlotte. <laughs> don't, don't. Bro, Catherine. You got me, Catherine. <laughs> well, my grandma, yeah. Just know, my grandma, she, I don't know. I think she'll give you a second chance, but as of right now, she doesn't need no apologies. She's we should move on. But uh, we got a great show for you as always. Uh, we're gonna look at uh, App State going up against UNC. That'll be a preview segment, and then after that, we'll jump into everything pickums. As Riley talked about, we'll be picking college football and NFL football. Riley's feeling real confident in his takes today. He's really saying, confident. Get the bets going. Over the moon. You know, I think we go in reverse order today. I think we let Riley start. We'll, I'll, we'll switch it around. We'll oh. see. We'll, we'll probably swap okay. around a little bit. 
Uh, but before we get they into just that, just want to take my picks. They nope, hear I already first. got mine over here. They're locked. That's oh fine. yeah, well, I do. I need to. I'm pretty sure I won week one. I'm just. I didn't count it up, but I went eight for ten. So Bro, thanks. That's pretty good. That's yeah. I, I'm not confident I mean, in my week. One I just picks, know because so. I picked Colorado, I picked Duke, and I picked. Uh, there was one more low key one. I picked Utah. Yeah, and you picked Florida. Well, yeah, so, yeah. I was the only one who picked Florida. You know, Grandma. But just the games Graham that Mertz separated us. I couldn't yeah. believe it. But yeah, but couldn't believe it. Yeah, <laughs> I could believe it. You're right. But yeah, before we get into that, we're gonna take a look at all things App State athletics in the Mountaineer minute. Kicking things off, the App State volleyball team is set to host their second tournament of the season, the Black and Gold Invitational, on September 7th through the 9th in the Holmes Convocation Center. App State will kick off the tournament with a 6 p.m. match against North Carolina A&T. That is going on tonight. And after that, they will be hosting USC Upstate at 11 a.m. on September 8th for Education Day. And the Mountaineers will close out the tournament at 2 p.m. on Saturday against UNC Greensboro. Following four consecutive clean sheets, App State looks to continue their impressive non-conference season as they head to Chloe, North Carolina, Thursday to take on Western Carolina at 7 p.m. This match will be broadcasted on ESPN+. Plus. That's women's soccer, by the way. And then finishing us off, App State field hockey is set to travel to Harrisonburg, Virginia to take on the James Madison Dukes. The Dukes are coming off a 1-0 loss to number 12-ranked Wake Forest, putting their season record at 2-2 before facing the Mountaineers. App State is coming off a 1-0 victory versus Davidson, sitting at 3-1 atop the max standings. This match will be streamed on App State Athletics' Twitch account. And now do it for the Mountaineer Minute. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Cameron Moore, Air Personality and Program Director of KISS 95.1 in Charlotte. Are you considering a career in broadcasting? The Keller Radio Talent Institute is 10 days of intense learning from over 40 broadcast professionals this summer on the Appalachian State University campus. This is the only program of its kind for college students. Whether on air on music radio, sports, news, podcasting, sales, social media, video, promotions, or any aspect of radio, this is the campus to career connection. Application deadline, March 1st, but it's a rolling acceptance. So the earlier you apply, the more likely you are to get in. Only 25 students are accepted. More information at nationalradiotalentsystem.com under Keller Radio Talent Institute. Today a student, tomorrow a pro. Anna Bananas is a longtime supporter of WASU-FM, App State's college radio station. Anna Bananas Fine Consignment Store buys, sells, trades, and serves Boone from 641 West King Street. You can follow Anna Bananas on Instagram and Facebook. This program is sponsored by Eggers Law Firm, located on West King Street in downtown Boone. From business to traffic matters, the Eggers Law Firm has provided legal service to the high country since 1950. As fourth-generation Appalachian alumni, the Eggers Law Firm is here to assist you with legal help when you need it. The Eggers Law Firm, 737 West King Street. Welcome back to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU, sponsored by Eggers. Eggers, Eggers, and Eggers, attorneys at law. 
So this weekend is the rematch. App State versus UNC, this time in Chapel Hill. Last time we were in Chapel Hill, App State shocked the world, blocking a field goal and winning 34-31. But teams look a lot different than that game, and they even look a lot different from last year, especially on the App State side. But looking at this UNC team, they are all about quarterback Drake May. He's a Heisman candidate. He's going to be a number one or first-round pick in this year's draft. So what does App State need to do to slow down Drake May and his high-powered offense? I'll start with you, David. I want to say something before we get going. I know that you and I had the chance to be at practice yesterday, and the energy around this team this week versus last week is different. There's a different animal in the room this week when you walk into Kid Brewer Stadium when they've been practicing. These guys are focused. They're locked in. And I don't remember if it was from your interview or Cody's interview, but one of, the guys, one of the guys saying that they, they, this, this is where App State thrives. They yeah. thrive in these scenarios where they are the underdog, where they have everything to prove and have everything to show. And there's just a different vibe this week, and it, it, feels, it feels really strong coming out of that locker room. But I just wanted to say that before we get going and we get talking about our breakdown and analysis because it was probably one of the biggest things that I noticed yesterday, and especially with, with the coaches and just how – how verbal they were yesterday. Like, there is no funny business going on in that practice. But mm-hmm. for App State to slow down Drake May in this high-powered offense, for me, it's pressure off the edges and being able to make this team one-dimensional by shutting down the run game. Drake May is going to be able to make plays where he can slot the ball into the tiniest of windows. We've seen that year in and year out. But forcing UNC to go through the air as their only form of big gain on yardage would be a huge win for App State. We could slow down the run game and make this a bit more predictable from UNC's offensive play calling standpoint. I really do think that we can have a good chance to at least force a few punts throughout the mix of UNC drives. UNC's offensive line, they didn't allow a sack last week against South Carolina, so we know it's going to be a struggle getting into May for most of the game. But if we can fill the gaps and we can force the offense to rely on passing, it does make this team a little bit more one-dimensional. Talked about it in Tuesday's show, second key, got to tackle in free space. We've got to turn these small dump plays into small dump plays. You pick up 5-6 with a quick throw out to the flat, not 15-20. It was something they struggled against Gardner-Webb on. It was something they were working on heavily in practice yesterday. There were multiple drills going on where that's pretty much the only thing they were working with, with some of the secondary, the safeties, and the corners. So those are my two keys right there. I think that if... While the run game isn't the strongest out of UNC, if we're able to shut it down and make them one-dimensional, we know what's coming next, and that'll give us a lot of advantage. I'm right where you are, David. I think we have to get the pressure on and early to make Drake May uncomfortable. Because if Drake May gets comfortable on us, you can go ahead and throw the game away from the first quarter. We've got to be able just to get pressure on May up front. Because we saw early in last week's game, Matthew Caldwell was able to get into a real rhythm for Gardner-Webb just throwing quick passes to the outside. So you think how much he hurt us? Just imagine how much Drake May is going to hurt us being able to throw it way more down the field. Caldwell could not throw past 10 yards. Drake May could throw anywhere on the field. So I think we just got to – we've got to also pressure up our corners. I think we need to make their wideouts uncomfortable, too. We've got to get in their face a little bit. We were backed up all the way most of the time on defense, just backed up so they just did a quick – Quick turnaround route, boom, five yards. We can't do that versus UNC. It just won't work. And it's easier said than done, obviously, doing all this because we have a bunch of rotation on our defensive line. But I think we have to get that pressure on early. You cannot let Drake May sit in the pocket all day and just dot you up. You've got to be able to get some pressure on him early. 
Yeah, I mean, I'm not worried about Drake May. Really, I know that. I know the question was, we need to slow down Drake May, and I'm not worried about Drake May as much as I am worried about the running game. Just kind of like what David was saying. I mean, British Brooks last week had 103 yards, 6.9 yards per carry, and uh, you know we struggled against Nari Gaither and Jaden Brown last week, mm. uh, stru- stopping the run. So personally, if we can stop the run, that will limit the passing game as well. But I think if you can't stop the run, obviously off of that you can run play action. You can do a lot of things. So Drake May will have a better day if the running game is going well. So I do think that we need to slow down the run. I do want to go back and touch on something you started that uh, answer with. You said you're not afraid of Drake May. No, not at all. He threw two picks last week against the South Carolina defense that is only okay. I love Riley. <laughs> yeah, Riley just comes. He scared. Riley just makes that bulletin board material. I love it, Riley. I love it so much. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. <laughs> He's probably going to be like a top five pick next year. He's like, I ain't worried about it. He's also a top five bust. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Caleb Williams is the only quarterback in this draft that's actually worth picking in the top five. You're not feeling the uh, uh, Riley Leonard hype? Ooh. Riley Leonard's pretty good. I'll, I'll say Riley yeah, Leonard's all right. fellow Riley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's good for the Rileys. But if yeah. we're talking about, I mean, Drake May, I don't think he's going to do well in the NFL yeah. level. I'm, I'm a little bit more concerned about Drake May than uh, Riley is. Uh, I'm more looking at it. You can't stop Drake May. That's impossible. But you can slow him down, possibly. Uh, so last year, when Drake May threw for under 290 yards, UNC was 1-4. So I think a big recipe is holding him to under 300 yards and only about two touchdowns through the air. That would be the sweet spot for me. I don't think you can make him have a bad day, but if you can stop him from just breaking the game, I think that's a win. How you do that, I think it's possession. I think you have to keep that offense off the field. You have to hold the ball as much as possible. You need to win the time of possession battle. And then you touched on it. David, I think it's a lot about tackling. Uh, It's not allowing yards after the catch. You have to limit what you can in that passing game. You need to play good coverage and then tackle when they get the ball, not letting those five-yard plays turn into 15- or 20-yard plays. I agree that it'd be nice to get pressure, but I really just don't see how we get pressure. It's a very experienced offensive line for UNC. We are not the best. We didn't get a sack last week against Gardner-Webb. They didn't allow a sack against uh, South Carolina, and then even if we do get pressure, Drake May is a guy who can extend the pocket, get out of that pocket, and make plays downfield with his legs. So I'm looking at mostly keeping them off the field and tackling those wide receivers, not allowing yards after the catch. But looking at that kind of game plan and what we could do to try to limit that offense, is there a game plan you would like to see from App State in this game? I want to see something out of the ordinary. We got two really big flashes in the pan from Kevin Barbet last year against UNC with this Chase Bryce high-flying crazy offense running trick plays left and right. And then we got to see what Barbet can do from a different standpoint when you go to College Station and you beat Texas A&M. I think the weather is going to be dependent, especially on the way that we try and run this game. Currently, for Saturday, it is a 56% chance of thunderstorms, and most of that is coming in the afternoon. So rain will most likely be coming into play. Personally, I would love to see a little bit of a mix of both here. I want to see time of possession. I want to see App State just just drag it down the field. I mean, slow this game down. With the running clock now, with no stopping after first downs, unless it's under two minutes in the second quarter or fourth quarter, If they have at least a little bit of success, if Nate Noel 
or Amani Marshall if he's healthy, or whoever's at that back position, if you can pick up three or four yards every single carry, all of a sudden that becomes a slog where you take eight minutes off the clock and maybe get a field goal, maybe get a touchdown, get some points off it. It worked really well against Texas A&M, and albeit A&M did not have nearly as strong as an offense as UNC does. However, Hank King isn't as good as Drake May. You know, studies have found that he's not. No, so uh, you know, it's it's, it is. It, it really is. And if I really hope I didn't hurt anybody's feelings by saying that at home, but this is one where I would love to see App State just go, just run the rock. I know that's not where we are right now, and that's not where we've been. But I just want to see them pounded on the ground. I want to see Nate Noel get some good physical runs. I want to see Kanye Roberts in this game. I want to see what Mikel Haywood can do in a big-time scenario. I really do think if Imani Marshall's healthy, we will see all four backs in this game. I think we will, because App State's got to have the element of surprise. I'm rambling on. I'm going to turn it over to Ryan. But for me, I would love to have App State Kevin Barbe this thing up on offense like they did against A&M. You know, David, I like all the points, and I think that would be nice if we were to get the run game going. I don't see it happening versus UNC. I don't think we're going to be able to run the rock on them at all. So what I've got here is I think we've got to see Joey Aguilar show off the flash we saw last week throwing the ball downfield. I think, of course, I didn't really realize that the thunderstorms are going to be as big as an issue as we think they are, so that might throw a little ding in the plan of trying to air it out. But I think we have to start stretching them downfield. That's where we're going to be able to hurt UNC if we're able to get the ball downfield on them with our throwing game. If we're just to get it across the middle, boom, hit them for big chunk plays. We're not going to be able to grind it out versus UNC because even if we do grind it out versus UNC, Drake May will just come right back down the field, score on us in, what, two minutes, and then go right back on us. And they'll just keep putting up points and putting up points. So I think that we're going to have to come out there and match them. We're going to have to go toe-for-toe toe throwing the ball with Drake May. And maybe Joey Aguilar, maybe I'm hyping up a bit too much coming off that great game last week. But I really do believe in him to be able to throw the rock downfield effectively on UNC. Ryan, respectfully, absolutely. We're, we're, there's no way in the entire universe that we win a game throwing toe to toe with Drake May. We're gonna. Uh, that's not how we that's <laughs> not how not a concern. Is, that's not how App State but that's not how we're designed. Like we're not a high powered offense, not as high powered as UNC. We're not gonna beat them through the air. Okay? But what we can do, I think personally, how do you they had a great pass rush attack last week, right? UNC had nine sacks against South Carolina. And how do you defend that? How do you combat that? Quick passes and creative run designs. I would love to see us get a wide receiver involved in the run game, get Milan Tucker off the like off a sweep, something like that. Pop and pass. then what you can do, and then throw little screen passes, stuff like that, um, you know, to Christian Horn, whoever else. And once you do that, you can play off of that. You can start you know, you can start doing play action. Let's do a play action off the sweep. Let's do something. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can set up other plays throughout the game that will eventually get your passing game going. But I'm with David on this one. I think you need to get your running game going. And I don't think it's going to be pounded up the middle and just let our guys be bigger than their guys. That's not going to happen. What we're going to have to do is we're going to need to do, be very creative within the playbook, which has been hard for App State to do as of, as of late. So... Honestly, we're just going to have to have quick passes and creative run designs. Riley, I think you hit the nail on the head. We have got to come out in a mix of a format of, you know, run the rock as hard as we can and find trickery. I am so excited to see what this App State offense can come up with 
to try and gain five yards. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun watching the activity in the backfield. I feel like you're you're right on it with App State is going to come out and they are going to show trickery. They're going to get wide receivers involved in the backfield. They're going to find ways to confuse the UNC defense. And I'm just really looking forward. I'm looking forward to seeing what this game plan is going to be. I think anything, my ramblings are coming more so out of excitement and, and curiosity. But... Yeah, that's that's I, what I Well, yeah. I wouldn't be I wouldn't not be mad and personally if I were the App State offensive coordinator right now, I would be thinking get the wide receivers at least have them as Frank bait, Pons. right? So have the well yeah, Frank Pons obviously. If I were him, I would have the wide receivers at least be in motion throughout the game. Every single play, have them in motion behind the quarterback before the play starts. Have them run from one side to the other. What that does is it sets up the defense. They're looking. You can also see if it's man or zone coverage by seeing if the if the wide receivers are in motion. But what it does is it gets the defense looking, and you hand it off to them a couple times. And then what you can do is run play action off of that, and then, then you get your passing game going. You can also give it to the wide receiver and then if you have a wide receiver that can pass the ball, here's your trick play. You could literally hand it off to the wide receiver behind you, and the wide receiver can throw it. So I think there's a million different things you got to do, but you just got to think outside the box. You're not beating UNC by chalk plays, just running the ball up the middle. You're not going to win that way. We're not throwing slants and beating UNC. Look, I don't even think that if we have all this trickery, I just don't see it happening because we watched some film, me and Lucas earlier, we saw we have our tight end in the backfield going for a block, did not touch him. It's one of the worst. My brother's breaking down the film from the UNC App State first weeks, and he's just been sending me some clips, and it's one of the worst blocking attempts I've ever seen. So I just don't see... If that's how we come out and block this week, there is no way we're going to be able to run the ball at all on UNC, especially coming with two new tackles into this game. Markel Samuel didn't look great first week. Jaden Ramsey won't even play. We saw him go down yesterday in practice. And so we don't even know who the right tackle is going to be. Probably Jack Murphy. Probably Jack Murphy, transfer from Marshall. He looked okay week one as well. But I just I really don't see this run game going. So I think we're going to have to go with the quick passes. We're going to have to really just test Aguilar's arm out. Because I just don't see, especially we're not beating him through the middle. And that's where the strength of our offensive line is. And we're not going to beat him to the outside. So unless Milan Tucker turns into Tyreek Hill, we're not going to be able to get the ball outside either. I, I disagree in the sense that we like with all of you kind of said we couldn't run the ball at the middle. I think that's where we could see an advantage. Like you said, our strength is in the interior of our offensive line. It's I'll talk about them later, but those are our three experienced offensive linemen, center, and the two guards. And UNC, yes, they had a good performance for that defensive line week one of this year. That group was terrible last year. We ran the ball. Nate Noel had over 100 yards on like 15 carries last year against this team. And the question going into the offseason was, would the, is this group of highly touted defense alignment and recruits on this defensive end ever going to show out to their potential? They did against South Carolina. South Carolina also has one of the worst offensive lines in the country. So, of course, they're going to – no team has nine sacks in a game. That's not a normal amount. That's – obviously, you're good at – you have some pass rushers, but that also has to fall on the offensive line as well. South Carolina's offensive line was terrible last week. That nine sacks is just a lot. I agree that there's two ways you could attack it. It's either you can go deep early and force that those defense, force that secondary to respect the deep ball, and then you can run the ball on them because those boxes will be lighter. But that opens up a lot more. 
things that could go wrong for App State. If you try to attack deep early and you're unsuccessful, you're not killing clock and you're giving the ball back to Drake May where they're likely going to be able to attack deep early and score on those drives. So if we can't keep pace with them like we did last year with Chase Bryce, I don't think we'll be able to. I think that'll be a much harder task this year with Joey Aguilar than it was last year with Chase Bryce. We had that high-powered offense that could go toe-to-toe with them last year. I don't see that this year. I think we have to go the Texas A&M route, and I think it's about establishing that inside run. If you don't, like, I, I agree that we need to throw some trick plays in there, but trick plays just don't win games. You can't run wide receiver throws or sweep routes throughout an entire game. They'll figure that out, and those things will get picked up on by the defensive coordinator that will make adjustments. You can do it by establishing the run on the inside. If you establish three, four, five yards every time you run the ball with Nate Noel or Monty Marshall or any of our running backs and you control the clock, and then you start to wear down that defensive line, I see that as our advantage, and that I see as our game plan to possibly beating this UNC team. That was a lot, but... Um, that, was a, now, that was a great point there. Yeah, Lucas. it was. That Thank was you. good. Thank you. Uh, but now kind of looking at both ends, who, what's a player on both offense and defense for App State that you think needs to play well for us to have a chance? So on defense, I'm going to go with Tyreek Funderburk. And for the offense, I'm not going to select a single player, but I'm going to talk about the entire offensive line. So starting with the defense and Tyreek, these safeties and corners are going to have a lot of work cut out for them this weekend. And I really do want to see the Richmond transfer in Funderburg play a bigger role. He had six tackles and one pass breakup against Gardner-Webb. He showed promise in coverage. And I'm excited to see what he's able to do against more elite receivers. And hopefully for us, it's a great addition through the transfer portal. For the offense... The offensive line has got to be there for us to succeed. We can't get a run game or a pass game established if we have three UNC defensive ends in our face. We're not going to be able to get anything done unless this offensive line can lock down. And even if they just show up at times, for them to be able to protect Joey and to keep him up and to keep him giving the ability to make plays, to have that option to give it to Nate Noel, to have you know the running back standing off in the flat, to that extra second to get it out and to make sure that we can at least gain a few yards off a of play. The Bulls up front are really the biggest. I mean, there's everything really big with this offense. Yeah. There's Everything kind of has to click, and I feel like we're going around the room and we're touching on the different puzzle pieces, but they got to fit together. Okay. And if the Bulls up front can kind of kind of be a dog and they're able to give that time for Joey and give that time for Nate Noel, I think the offense will have some success here. So those are my two... I guess, keys for the offense-defense. Yeah, I've got one on offense. They had a group for defense. So the guy on offense I really want to see a big game from, I would love to see us use Dalton Stroman more. I think he is just too big, too athletic for us just to not use on every set. I understand we have a lot of really good receivers in our core that have to rotate in, but I want to see Dalton Stroman out there more because he can stretch you deep. He can hit you across the middle. I think he can really create trouble for the UNC defense. And then looking at our defense, I think the whole D-line has to step up this week. Whether that's going to be Michael Fletcher, Sean Collins, DeAndre Dingle-Prince, anybody. Just someone get out there and make a play because it just didn't happen last week. Throughout the whole game, the only reason that game was close because we should have completely outclassed Gardner-Webb because we couldn't get any pressure on their quarterback, and they're just going to throw you boom, boom, boom all game on the short throws, and UNC will do the same thing. So we really need a big game from one of those guys on the D-line. Yeah, so for offense, for me personally, there's not a player on offense that I want to have a big game for App State. I think if we're going to win this game, we're going to do it 
sort of like we did last week, and that's by committee. There are six different Mountaineers scored a touchdown last week, and I kind of expect more of the same. No one player is going to beat UNC, so I think on offense – as a collective group, they need to work together. On defense, I think the defensive line needs to step up. I think, uh, you know, Marcus Clark, the nose tackles, all the, they need to stuff the middle, while Sean Collins, Thomas Davis, need, they need to set the, set the edge as well. Our linebackers, our edge rushers, and not allow running backs to bounce to the outside. That'll make UNC one-dimensional, one-dimensional and I don't think... Pers- I, I know y'all are going to think I'm crazy for this, but I don't think Drake May is beating us on his own. If we set the edge on the outside and make him throw from the pocket, I don't think he's beating us. Yeah, I love I asked favorite offensive player, or what an offensive player you want to have a good game, and Riley just goes, I don't want our offense to have a good game. <laughs> Nobody is that what I said? No, you, you're, it made sense based on what you're saying, but it was just a funny, like you just froze frame that first sentence. It was like, I don't want an offensive player to have a good game. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true, though. If one player tries to do it all, we're not winning. Yeah, no, I, I understood right. what you were saying. Uh, but, yeah, I, I kind of looked on the offensive end. I kind of went off what you guys said. I focused on that interior line. Uh specific names, Damian Daly, Bucky Williams, and Isaiah Helms. Those are experienced offensive linemen, and they have a lot of experience. Those guys have been with this team forever. They're all leaving us after this year, but that's our point of strength on this offensive line. Our outsides, there's a lot to be desired there. It's just They're new. They don't have a lot of experience. They need the reps, and they need more playing time, so I'm not expecting much from them. That's another reason why I'm hesitant to lean into the air raid kind of try to just go toe-to-toe with Drake May in this offense because we don't have as good a pass protection as UNC. It's going to be a lot harder for us to stop uh, guys like Kamen Rucker and other pass rushers for UNC. Uh, But on the defensive end, I am looking at uh, Nick Ross, our safety leader on that end. He seemed very excited for this game, and he's a guy that led this team in tackles last year. He led us in tackles last week against Gardner-Webb, and he's going to be the one that stops those yards after the catch. He's going to be the guy who can make tackles on those quick routes, stop them before they get the ack yards, get them tackled 5-10 yards after uh, past the line of scrimmage, but not allowing those short quick passes to go for more than what they should. Nick Ross is going to be really important for that. But now looking at the other team, who's a UNC player you're just not looking forward to play against our group next weekend or this weekend? For me, and this goes back to the run game and how I talked about in our first question, that is where we have to shut it down. It also is the part of the game that scares me the most. It's the potential of British Brooks and O'Marion Hampton that really worry me on that UNC offense. We know Drake May is going to scramble around, fling the football, yada, yada, yada. We saw him do it last year. We know what he's going to do. Not worried about Drake May here. It's Hampton and Brooks. They combined for 31 carries last week, 140 yards, two touchdowns. Hampton had both of those. They were both goal line touchdowns. Brooks is more of that speedy back. So you could I don't want to compare him to Nate Noel, but in terms of UNC and what they have in their system, that's kind of your comparison. And then oh, or Hampton is, you know, an Armani Marshall, a Camp Peoples, a bigger back that's going to try and punch it up the gut, hit yeah. the interior, and run through that way. So personally, this is the biggest thing that scares me because I think if we take this out of play, we have a lot better of a chance. But if this run game is hanging around and Drake May is able to successfully throw the football, it could be a long night for App. 
I got two guys I'm looking at on the defensive end for the Tar Heels that just going to scare me because they patrol the middle of the field. That's the two linebackers, Cedric Gray and Power Eccles, I think are both going to have really good games against us. And that's why I'm so hesitant, and I keep going against y'all with this running game because I think both of them are just going to make it so difficult for us to be able to run the ball at all. I think Cedric Gray, he can patrol the middle. He's really athletic. He can just go around, boom. He's also a really smart player. He goes in and out, but power equals. I think, Lucas, you told me they describe him as, what is it, vicious? Yeah, Coach, uh, this is from Jeff Marson. Coach called him one of the most vicious players he's ever coached. Yeah, that's just going to be tough for us to handle. <laughs> Guys like Power Eccles, Cedric Gray, I think it's just going to give us nightmares all day long on defense. Yeah, I, I'm with David, actually. David stole my pick here. I, I picked British Brooks as just well. Just like Mr. Chalk, you know. Yeah, apparently. Um, Why do we keep rapping it, man? Unbelievable. That's not the nickname that David wants. <laughs> I, I am here to say that David is not Mr. Chalk after this pickup. <laughs> it's turned into bullying at this point in Riley's I took, I took all the unders here, okay, guys? We're going to make David cry. This is like our like our tactic here. It's like you're not you're going to be so messed up with the pickums, you're going to yeah. even know who to pick. Rent-free. Yeah, seriously. Seriously, we're thinking you're... We are in your head. But, uh, yeah, British Brooks is mine. I'm going to try to keep this thing moving. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I had Cayman Rucker as mine. Uh, just read his stat line from this last Saturday. Eight total tackles, six solo tackles, two, ta- two sacks, and five and a half tackles for loss. If he has a game like that against us, we're cooked. Uh, that's game-breaking stuff. If he's just in the backfield every play like he was against South Carolina, you can kiss uh, a comeback or a Get back from last year. Goodbye for the Mountaineers. We need to do a better job of keeping him in line, not allowing him to just wreck this game. Uh, But real quick, uh, does App State have a chance in this game? Absolutely. The Mountaineers do have a chance in this football game. We got to remember going go back ten days ago when we were thinking about the preview for UNC before they played South Carolina. The defense was a question mark. The offense wasn't going to be as strong as last year. The run game wasn't going to be as present. It was almost as if everything kind of took a downgrade in the eyes of the pre- or people who were writing and doing previews for this team. And all of a sudden, they go beat a South Carolina team 31-17. to You drop nine sacks. The defense seems to be, quote-unquote, fixed. And now everybody is on the UNC high horse. They still got to prove it to me. For me personally, this UNC team is a great football program. They, they are a team that has the potential to be top 10, but I haven't seen it. They have not proved it to me. If they go out and beat the brakes off us this week and they end up rolling 4-0, 5-0, I'll believe everything everyone's talking about this week. But until I see it out of that UNC team, with the way they finished last year, I don't understand the hype. I get you beat South Carolina. I get you demolish an offensive line that would probably be starting in the FCS. But that doesn't mean that North Carolina all of a sudden is this titan. This is a doable game for App State. We have guys who can make plays. We have potential to win this game. And I feel like people are doubting us. And they're ruling us out because of what UNC did last week and how we performed. It's a question mark. But... It'll be proven on Saturday. We'll see what kind of team we have, and we'll see what kind of team UNC has. But App State has a lot better chance than a lot of people are saying. I'm right there with you, David. I'm not going to come on here and talk about how we don't have a chance to win. Do you know who we are? We always come out with upsets. It seems like almost every other season, we're right there. Do I think it's likely we win this week? No. (laughs) 
But do I think do I think we have a chance? Absolutely. We have the boys back there who can just make plays all over the field. They're ready. They're walking around with a different kind of swagger. Joey Aguilar is walking around like he's the man this week out there, making throw after throw in practice, throwing it with confidence. <laughs> Y'all out here laughing. I just love that he said, do we have a chance? <laughs> no. <laughs> or like, do you, well, it wasn't do we have even... a chance? Yes. Is it likely? Is it likely? No. That's <laughs> I mean, it. Are yeah. you... Are you, no, I mean, are I you have, saying we're favorites? I have that in my notes. I agree with you, but I just think that's the way you said it. <laughs> yeah, I but Riley, do we have a chance? Yeah, we <laughs> do we have a chance? Well, I, I literally marked down the word on this paper is absolutely. But with that being said, we can no, no longer go into games with confidence like we are the team to beat. We are the underdogs, and we have been. All of last year, we were the underdogs. And... This is this might be a whole thing, but I just think we go into games very conservatively, and we're too conservative with the ball because we think we're we are that team and we are good and we are a good team, but we're not good enough to the point where we can go into games and be conservative and just win the game. We got to go into this game none of that third and fifteen, third and sixteen run up the middle with Nate Noel BS. We're not doing that again. We cannot go into this game and play conservative. We have to go in and play to win. And if we lose by 40, so be it. But if we go in and lose and we play conservatively, that is on Sean Clark, and that's something that needs to be fixed. Yeah. uh, I wouldn't be driving down there if I didn't think we had a chance to win. Uh, I think we do have a chance to win. I agree with Ryan. It's not likely. But this is a team that I love in this spot. They're usually, like you said, Riley, for a group of five school, a team that has a lot of pride and kind of walks into a lot of games feeling like the favorite. This isn't one of those weeks. We saw this last year with Texas A&M. I like the way that coaching staff had us prepared for that game. I think they'll have this group prepared. Would I pick App State? No. But would I be shocked if they won on Saturday? No, I wouldn't. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return... Pick them segment, so don't go anywhere. You're listening to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU. Lights, camera, action. Have you watched our friends at App TV yet? App TV is in the same building here on campus with WASU FM in the Beasley Media Complex. App TV has student made content from sports to news to video game reviews. App TV is on Skybest Channel 20 or 1020, Spectrum Charter Channel 198, and Channel 23.3 on campus. Or the App TV website, watchapptv.com. Gregsweather.com is based in Boone and forecasts the weather in the high country and from the North Carolina-Virginia state line to Waynesville, North Carolina. The mountains, the foothills, and the microclimates in between with specific websites for each area, including booneweather.com with radar and webcams of the area. Winter, spring, summer, fall, raiseweather.com. Welcome back to Sports Wrap on 90.5 WASU, sponsored by Eggers, 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 and Eggers, attorneys at law. We are here, Pick'em segment. I believe I'm the winner from last week. We haven't done the numbers, but I'm going to just go ahead and declare myself winner early. Uh, (laughs) Good clap. Uh, So by David's request, we'll be starting with Riley. Uh, we got to move with a little bit of pace here. About We got about 22 minutes left. We got eight games to get through, so let's go around two minutes a game. Just a little little pace, but first game, biggest game of the weekend, Texas versus Alabama. Everybody says it's Texas's year, and it's not Alabama's year. What do you think, Riley? Yeah, I really like Texas' high-powered offense, and I was, you know, I was watching it, and I think they're, they're – 
style of attack is very quick. The pass, it's a lot of RPOs. It's very like it's a great college style. I mean, obviously it wouldn't work in the NFL, but that's why they're doing it in college. So uh, you know, he there's it gives Quinn Ewers a lot of you know decisions to make throughout, and, and it's not like there's seven different decisions on a play. It's usually one or two. But because of the RPO stuff, but I really like how quick their passes come out, and I, uh, I think Texas wins this game. So uh, yeah, Alabama. I have a whole thing on why Alabama loses, but I will yeah. go to Ryan. You know, I thought I was going to be the shocker here by going with Texas, but Riley's already done it. So I think that I'm going with the Longhorns because I really just don't like this Alabama team. Jalen Milrow just doesn't thrill me at quarterback for them. So they've really got to lean on that run game. Just like we used to see Bama around like 2011, 2012. They've got to play a lot like that. With that being said, I think this is going to be a close game because Quinn Ewers, he struggled to throw the ball downfield versus Rice. So I think it's really going to be a defensive battle, but I think this is finally the game where Steve Sarkeesian gets his big win over his former team, and Texas shocks the world and wins this one. No one has beaten Alabama outside of an SEC regular season contest since 2007. In Nick Saban's inaugural year, they lost to UL Monroe 21-14. to it's a 200-month streak, just over 6,000 days. It's coming to an end, baby. It's coming to an end. This, this is the Longhorns' year right here. They're going to be able to protect Quinn Ewers up front. They're going to be able to establish a run game, and they're going to keep Jalen Milrow in, te- in, in check. Alabama is out of the playoff contention after this week. Let's get it, Texas. Last time Alabama lost a game like this, we were all boys. <laughs> now, now we're men. We're men. Yeah. I see how perfect that was, Riley, because you moved fast. You wanted to touch on Alabama, and then Ryan went and touched on Alabama for you. That was beautiful. And then David hit us with the the history, and you're all wrong. Alabama's going to win this yeah, game. Lucas is getting an easy uh, W on yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, you're all wrong. <laughs> Look, Texas, Texas is much improved, and yeah. they're, they're, a compa- <laughs> they're a contender for the Big 12 title. But what is it? What did he say? Rat poison? All these people think Alabama sucks this year out of nowhere. They're going to run the ball all over Texas. That secondary is the best secondary Whoa. in college football. Quinn Ewers is not going to be comfortable back there. Alabama crushes the Longhorns. As a team, Texas held Rice to 1.1 yards it's per game. I know it's Rice, but they looked really good. They and have, Dean Connors had eight carries for 23 yards and less than three yards a yeah. carry. Rice has a that legendary quarterback, too. Oh, let's, let's, full Mr. Four-team. Let's halt when we're comparing uh, running attacks from Rice and Alabama. <laughs> I know, I know, but Texas looked good. We can stop in the run. That's true. but not, So we got three Texases. I'm, I'm riding with... Roll Tide. Does that uh, make you Mr. Chalk, Lucas? Yeah, maybe I am Mr. Chalk. Well, my next one. but Notre Dame versus NC State. Uh, Notre Dame, highly touted, but this is their first real test of the year. They're going into, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the stadium, but Raleigh. Uh, Carter Finley. Carter Finley, thank you. Uh, so who do you got, the Fighting Irish or the Wolfpack? Yeah, right now I I have Notre Dame as the pick. Sam Hartman's thrown six touchdowns on the year, no turnovers. And NC State only put up 24 points against UConn. They rely heavy on the pass game, and Notre Dame's only allowed 110 yards through the air in two games and have two interceptions. So i got to roll with uh, Notre Dame on this one. I'm right there with you, Riley. I think this one really is not going to be that close. I think Notre Dame's just a different class from NC State this year. NC State week one did not look good at all versus UConn. Only won by 10. It was 24-14 to 14 over the Huskies. And I think this year 
the Irish finally have a legit quarterback. They're not out there with like Ian Book anymore, Jack Cohn. Sam Hartman can sling the ball all over the field. He can make any throw. He's an NFL quarterback. And also like the running back room, Audrick Estime, Jeremiah Love. I think they're going to run all over the Wolf Pack and get a big win here in week two. Yeah, Notre Dame started with a 42-3 win against Navy in Dublin. They thrashed FCS Tennessee State. 56 to 3, but it's going to be a tough opponent in NC State in a packed Carter Finley Stadium. It is a hot noon game. There might be rain involved if there's going to be some in, in the Chapel Hill area. You might see some rain coming down in Raleigh. Regardless, this, this NC State defense can be ruthless, but it is a test that Sam Hartman has passed before. I think NC State will give Notre Dame some trouble, but not enough to pull off an upset. I'm still really high on this Notre Dame team. Ryan hit every single point that I have listed here for the offensive keys, and I think that this weekend could really be a statement weekend if they can go into Carter Finley and they can win by double digits or you know, run the score up. Yeah, this is why you hold off on the Mr. Chalk title. I'm going to go opposite of all three of you once again. I'm picking the Wolf Pack to win at home. I think NC, I think Notre Dame is the better team. <laughs> NC State's my squad in football, but uh, uh, I, yeah, I think Notre Dame's the better team. But I think this is the first test early in the season on the road in a Pat Carter Finley Stadium. Like you said, the noon heat is a real thing in Raleigh. That crowd is going to be rocking. That's not a fun place to play. I think Notre Dame is good, but I think with the combination of NC State's and you said it, ruthless defense, they have the. One of the best defenses in the ACC. Great secondary. It's going to be hard for that Notre Dame team. And I just think when they're finally faced with adversity, they're going to crumble a little bit. I have NC State winning this one. Now, jumping to Ole Miss, Tulane. Both ranked uh, Tulane, 24. Ole Miss, 20. Who do you got, Riley? I got Ole Miss in this one. And simply for one reason, one reason only. Trey Harris is the real deal for uh the Ole Miss here. They they have their solidified number one wide receiver. He kind of reminds me of uh, DK Metcalf, Jonathan Mingo, all of these classic Ole Miss wide receivers. He's tall, big, strong. You throw it up one-on-one, he's going to catch the ball. He broke the school record for touchdowns caught in a game last week, and I think they're going to run over Tulane easily. You know, this one was really 50-50 for me because I believe it could go any way. But I think because this game is going to be played at Tulane, Ole Miss is going to be traveling over to Yulman Stadium, so I believe it's called. And I think Good the Tulane is going to get the big upset here in this one, led by one man and the man under center who dotted up USC last year in the Cotton Bowl, Michael Pratt. It's going to show why he's one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. It might be the most underrated quarterback in the nation. So give me Tulane in this one. You know, Riley made his case on Ole Miss. Ryan just made his case on Tulane. I have a lot of stuff written down here, but I don't have a choice on this team. This game is really close to me. I can't decide. So I'm pulling out Old Faithful. I'm pulling out the coin. Uh Uh-oh. Only, I'm, pull, uh, I'm pulling out the coin. Only very educated guesses here. Yes, absolutely. Does it say Mr. Chalk on there? Uh, yeah, it actually before. does. Um, it uh, says oh, it says Mr. Up. Chalk, yep. Lucas Warren on the backside. Does it oh, say Mr. Man. Chalk on there? Uh, this is heads. This is tails. This is Old Miss. This is Tulane. Let's see what we got. Let me see if I can get a good good coin flip here. Bing. Oh, oh that, was that was a nice. good sound. Give me Tulane. Yeah. Tulane. Green Wave. I well, like the I'm riding the Green Wave, yeah, baby. Like the Green Wave started at Ryan and it's gonna continue over to Lucas. Wow. I'm also picking Tulane to win Free this win. one. There's <laughs> two reasons. Pratt is <laughs> one of the most underrated quarterbacks in the country. That is a super talented offense, and that defense is so underrated. They beat USC last year in a bowl game, and that defense is mostly returned. And then on the Ole Miss side, that team lost a lot of games down the stretch of last year. And I don't 
I, I understand it's not a bad thing to have a lot of talented players at one position, but when it's the quarterback and you have three quarterbacks that are all starting caliber quarterbacks, I think it becomes a problem. Jackson Dart had a great game uh, against Mercer. 130, or 18 for 23, 334 yards, four touchdowns. But you know who also had a great game? Spencer Sanders, 8 for 14, 134 yards, two touchdowns. You know who else? Walker Howard, 3 for 4 for 56 yards. All those guys should be starting anytime one of them. Right now, Dart's going to start. Anytime Dart makes any mistake, every fan, coach, or player is going to think in the back of their mind, what if Sanders was playing on that down? What if Howard was playing on that down? And that doubt is going to keep creeping up on those quarterbacks. I don't like the vibes coming from Ole Miss. And I just, I, I, I agree that they're talented, and, but I just, there's a lot of turnover from one year ago. They struggled down the stretch. Tulane is a group of guys coming back, and I think they're going to be very good. Their best group of five school, in my opinion. I have Tulane winning this one at home. Now, last game in the college football slate, primetime in Colorado, facing Matt Rule and Nebraska. <laughs> Riley giggled when I said Matt Rule. Who do you got in this one? I got uh, Ryan giggled too. I, I got uh, giggling all around. Yeah, I got uh, tra- well, I got Colorado. Travis Hunter is insane. I love what Dion's doing for the program. He heard that they were number ranked number twenty one, and he was like, I- "I'm so excited for these kids." He he loves the kids so much. He he really. Uh, you know, is pouring his heart and soul into this team, and I love the change and the flip and everything they got going on right now. And it, I would like nothing more than to watch Matt Rule just suck. So, yeah, I'm going with Colorado. I'm right there with you, Riley. Buffs by a million in this one, and it won't be close. Matt Rule, I'm starting to. I don't think. I don't think he's a good coach, guys. What do y'all think? <laughs> I don't. I don't even know what ha- he kind of. He had that stretch, went to the NFL, and then fell out of favor with literally everybody. Yeah, and he's going to fall out of winning this game because the Colorado's going to run <laughs> all over him in this one. They might drop fifty on him because they just marched into TCU, who made a national title game last year and looked like legitimate contenders versus them. I understand it's not exactly the same TCU team, but that's still a team that can compete in the Big Twelve. So I think Colorado looked great. Nebraska looked awful, only putting up 10 versus Minnesota, who's not good themselves. So give me the Buffaloes. Yeah, these two different coaches for these programs couldn't be more differing in the public opinion. Matt Rule left such a bad distaste in football fans' mouth, especially if you live anywhere near the Panthers. Because even if you're not a Panthers fan, you heard about it. You knew what was happening. Yeah, especially from the gentleman across from me at the table here. We all heard about it. And after his sloppy departure, nobody really is in favor with it anymore. But Dion's the other way around. Everybody is loving what's going on at Colorado. And seeing what Dion's been able to do and just it's not a cult following, but it's just the culture he's been able to create. Everybody wants to be a part of it. It's going to show on the football field. I think that Colorado Colorado by a million in this one. You know, you know what? I, I would I would love nothing more than to watch Matt Rule fail. And that's what's gonna happen. Owen two goes Nebraska, and they still don't know what's going on without Scott Frost. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it's funny, just the Matt Rule hate in this room, because my very first bullet point is I don't have much faith in Nebraska in year one with Matt Rule. Uh, it's just I don't even I don't even have to look at the roster. Just Matt Rule in year one, I'm just good on. But I mean, I think Colorado's super. It takes talented. seven years. It took Jay Z <laughs> yeah. about seven, seven years. Year so plan. yeah, give but him about six more. The thing is, though, like, I'm taking Colorado. The thing is, though, just based on how you guys are talking about him and how everybody in the nation is talking about Colorado right now, this is huge hangover potential because they're just oh, hearing is. all the good juice. Like everybody's saying they're the best team, best thing since sliced bread, and now you're walking in against a bad Nebraska. team team 
Like th- this is ultimate, just not getting up for this game and just letting it, letting this Nebraska team beat you, even though you're way better than them. I hope they don't do that. I'm still taking Colorado. I think they get say. to three and zero, and then they lose to Oregon. But for right now, I'm still taking Nebraska. But we have just about nine minutes left. We're going to dive into NFL tonight. Lions Chiefs. Who do you got, Riley? I have so I was going back and forth this game because the Lions have I really like their young players I love Dan Campbell I like the emotion that he pulls out of these players but at the same time the Chiefs are coming off a Super Bowl win and so I was thinking you know the Lions are going to win this game because you know the Chiefs are going to have a Super Bowl hangover but then I thought about it some more and I looked at how the Chiefs are playing at home and I just think it's going to be a really tough game for the Lions to win so I got the Chiefs Kelsey or not. Yeah, I'm with you, Riley. I like the Lions a lot this year. I think they can make some noise in the NFC North. However, do y'all see how good Patrick Mahomes plays every year week one? He has yet to throw an interception week one. He has throws for almost 300 yards in every game. So even without Travis Kelce, which is a big blow, I think the Chiefs are going to handle this one pretty easily. Nah. Nope. Nope. Dan wow, Campbell. that was beautiful commentary right Dan, there. Dan Campbell. <laughs> that was some, Let me finish. Was, it's a build-up, Riley. You do this Mr. every week, Mr. Chalk, man. everyone. Mr. Chalk. Right, when when Riley, again with another, Riley takes eight with, minutes with to say another, three words, nobody says word. anything, but I take a breath, and all of a sudden, <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> the disrespect. The disrespect that I am given in this room. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's funny because he is he's younger than us, but technically he's the assistant sports director, so he should be getting respect, but they're calling him Mr. Chalks. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I know you got to be in agreement with it. We might have two new, two new guests next week. I, <laughs> I, I don't. You hear that? He's trying to boot you off the show now, Riley. They can't boot me it's off right now. That's a threat. Impossible. I bring in a solid three listeners. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's Nana and my mom? My mom, right? My, mom, my mom's always listening. Yeah. Grammy's always listening. Yeah. So, come on. <laughs> You're going to have my mom on you now? My grandma. Oh, no, man. <laughs> you got three grandmas on you right now, dude. You're getting a tag team on you. <laughs> oh. I'm guessing you're picking the Lions. I'm, yes, I'm taking the Lions. <laughs> this, this, look, I think that this this offense, I almost said Alabama, Jameer Gibbs, this this offense ranks really good against how – you know what? I'm going to lie. completely. I'm, 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 I'm too riled up. We're I'm too fired up right now. We're melted listen, brain and listen they're going to be able to run on the Chiefs. Jameer Gibbs – Paired with ex-Bear David Montgomery, led by Jared Goff. Dan Campbell is cooking. There's a reason there's a soup named after him. Move on. His brain is goo right now. Uh, no, the Lions have a ton of hype entering this season. And with Travis Kelsey, unlikely to play. Uh, all signs point to Lions victory tonight. So naturally, I'm taking the Chiefs in this one. Free win. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I'm not a believer in the Lions or Dan Campbell. Just putting that out there. But now... My favorite matchup of the early slate on Sunday, Steelers 49ers. Who do you got in this one? This is a really good matchup here. And, you know, I think the Steelers have a great defense to combat that Niners high powered offense. But with that being said, I don't think the Steelers have enough in them. I've got the Niners here, but I don't know. If, if the Steelers offense can start cooking, you never know what can happen here. But they're playing away. I got the Niners here. It's a safe pick. I know you can call me Mr. Chalk, whatever. I've also got the 49ers here. I'm not too big of a believer 
in the Steelers. I'm not sold on Kenny Pickett like a lot of other people are. Oh, I am. Right now. But I think even if whoever the 49ers trot out there at quarterback, Kyle Shanahan's just too good of a coach, and I think they're going to take down the Steelers, even if it is close. Look, it's it's a difference between picking chalk and picking the correct team to win, and that's the 49ers here. We saw a lot of what the Steelers can do in the preseason with this offense when they're clicking. I just think the 49ers are going to be able to overpower Pittsburgh. I think it's going to take them a few weeks to kind of get on their feet, but when they do, this could be one of the most dangerous teams in the NFL down the stretch. But I got the 49ers opening this one. I love both these teams this year, but if you look at the 49ers historically under Kyle Shanahan, they're not a team that comes out the gate strong. They're a team that plays better in December when they get close to playoff time. I think they have their eyes set on postseason and possibly some hardware later down in that postseason. I think the Steelers, however, are looking to immediately establish themselves establish themselves as a much improved team from the year before. I think Kenny Pickett is the real deal. He's looked like one of the best quarterbacks in preseason. I love the weapons they have around him. I love that defense. I'm taking the Steelers to win this one. Now in the fourth o'clock matchups, this one, two teams that are known for their offenses, not so much their defenses, Miami Dolphins versus the LA Chargers. Who do you got, Riley? Yeah, I got the Chargers. They've made some great defensive acquisitions uh, and I think you know, on the offensive end, they're you know obviously one of the better teams in the league. Miami, I don't know if Tua's just going to be in the like. I hate to say it, but I don't know if he's going to be in the right headspace after last year. A lot happened last year, and I just think I think the Chargers are going to pull away with the win here. You know, I like both of these teams going into this year. I think the Dolphins are going to pull this one out though over the Chargers. The Chargers, I feel like every year we're talking about this is the Chargers' year. They're going to win the AFC West. They're going to go to Super Bowl. It never happens. And I think this is the year that the, that the Dolphins are going to be able to make that next step. And I like Tua. I think he's going to be all right. I think Tyreek is going to be as elite as he always is. And give me the Dolphins in this one. A lot of people forget that at the beginning of last season, before Tua got injured, before he went down to that Bengals game, I mean, he was looking like the best quarterback in the NFL. Mm-hmm. He's healthy. He's been able to rest for the offseason, maybe get his mind straightened up a little bit, get his head twisted on he straight. He a lot of jujitsu. He knows how to fall now. That's, oh. that's pretty good. They taught that, him. They that, taught him how to fall. That makes me even oh, more nice. confident in my pick. Oh, beautiful. I think I really, I really like Tua, and I think that Tua, if he stays healthy, is going to have a really good year. And on top of that, I think he's going to have a really good opening performance against the Chargers. Not the Chargers' time yet. Dolphins are taking this one. It's a scary one to give Riley a three-one uh, score, but I'm going Dolphins as well. I think when Tua is healthy, this is the best offense in the NFL. Uh, I think both defenses have question marks, but I just believe in the overall talent of Miami more. They had some injuries down the stretch. I love Bradley Chubb. I think this defense will be much improved. And a uh, new defensive coordinator, uh, blanking on his name, but he's known for creating the cover two and or cover four quarters. Uh, Vic Vangio, that's who their new uh, defense coordinator is. my defense is. on Madden. Vic Vangio. He's the best defense coordinator in the league. Uh, and then I just, on the Chargers' end, I'm not a uh, fan of... I'm blanking on their who's their uh, head coach's name? Uh, uh, Staley. Staley. Brandon Staley. Uh, I don't, I'm not a Staley guy. I think that defense still has a lot of question marks. I think they'll be able to score, but I also feel like Keenan Allen and Mike uh, Mike Williams are two of the most injury prone wide receivers in the league, and they can't really run the ball up the middle with Eckler. He's more of a outside and pass catching guy. I just have a lot of questions with Chargers. I like the Dolphins this year, so I'm going Dolphins now. Final pick. Two minutes left. Giant Jets. Bills, who do you got, Riley? The Jets, you know, they they 
had huge acquisitions in Aaron Rodgers, not to mention, you know, Randall Cobb. No, I'm just messing. But, you know, a lot of good wide receivers. He's using a walker now, Randall Cobb. He's doing something. He's got to be doing something, man. Uh, But, yeah, no, the Jets, I think, you know, have all these great acquisitions, but it takes time for these acquisitions to mesh. And you have hard knocks, which is a whole other distraction within itself in the training camp. And I personally think away in Buffalo against that team in in Buffalo on the road. I said I think I said in Buffalo on the road away about five hundred million times. But that just shows to prove that how important it is that they're playing at Buffalo and I got the Bills winning with that fan base behind them. It's in New York. This game, I just wanted to. Oh, it's in it. New York. Yeah, it's at MetLife. That might change my opinion here. I thought it was at Buffalo just because it said Jets versus Bills. It's usually, yeah, at that's Bills. my bad. I just... No, no, no. It's good. We're chilling. We're chilling. We're chilling. I just didn't know. All right, I'll give you. Give me a second. Give me a second. All right, we'll come back. All right, I'm going with the Jets in this one. I think Aaron Rodgers is going to come out fiery week one with a fire lit under. When I think the Jets are just going to pull out a big win, the Bills arguing with each other. We've seen Stephon Diggs, Josh Allen get to argument after argument after argument on the sideline. I think that's too much of a distraction, and I think Aaron Rodgers wants to prove something week one is going to get the big upset win. There's been so much that's happened with this Jets team over the offseason. There's so much hype around them. Everybody has them inside a top ten on power rankings. They have them right outside the top five of one of the best teams in the NFL. you got Rodgers coming in. You know, you've got Lazard, who also makes the trip over from Green Bay. Just all these acquisitions. Cook. Cook. But at the end of the day, it, this is still the Buffalo Bills. While they didn't get crazy better... They didn't get that. They didn't get worse either. I mean, this is still going to be a Bills team. This is there's a window right now for the Bills, and this is a year. And I think they know it. I think they're a little bit fired up about that. I still have the Bills in this one. I don't know if I fully believe in New York and Aaron Rodgers and every it, just coming out of the gates as strong as that. I don't know if I believe. And if I see it, then I'm. I, it's going to be a fun one to watch either way. But I am going to take the Bills here. They're still the Buffalo Bills. They're still going to be competing for a Super Bowl. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not as high on either of these teams, but the Jets have been the media darling so far, and the Bills have been slept on so far. And I just think the combination of Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs, and the defense, while it got worse, they lost Edmonds, they got a year older, they still have both uh, Hyde and Poyer, two of the best safety combos in the league. They have Milano as a linebacker. He's coming back. He's very talented. I think this is a good enough team to win week one against a Jets team that's still figuring things out, and they have such a tough slate. They better win this game, honestly, because they I think they go on the road next to Dallas, and they have the Chiefs and the Eagles. It's just tough opening stretch for the Jets, but I, I don't think they get it done week one. I think the Bills, the experienced team, win. Riley, did you want to change your pick? No, I'm going Bills. Sticking Bills. So we got three Bills, one Jets for Ryan. So that'll do it for Pick'em. Got it through. little over, but good job, guys. That was a good, good effort. Got put on a little pace there. But before we go, we got to hit everybody with a little bit of shout-outs. I guess we'll start, Riley, since, we, since we're doing that circle. Riley, you want to start us with shout-outs? Yeah, guys. I think, oh, shout-out, first of all, my roommate, Chuck. He brought out all Chuck. of Chuck. He brought out all of his snacks from his closet today, and we had no idea what was going on. And he's like, bro, dude, look at how many snacks I have. And we went out on a full taste test for an hour, and he had, like, different things. He had, like, crazy. He had this Doritos that was a pineapple jalapeno Doritos. It was awesome. Yeah. All right, but anyways, shout-out Chuck. Shout-out Grammy. Shout-out my mom. Anyone who's listening, shout-out Ben, who's taking pictures in the studio today. Love Ben. And I'm excited for week one. Thursday night football. Let's go. 
Shout out to my mom at home. Listen, Dave. Maybe shout out my little brother if he is listening. I don't know. You better be. It is shout out for sports. I'm going to shout out the whole NCAA for denying Tez Walker to play this weekend and all year. It helps out the Mountaineers. So shout out NCAA. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> sucks for Tez. Yeah, it does. But good. I mean, good for us this week. But it sucks for him in the long run. But anyways, uh, shout out. <laughs> Shout out to my moms listening back home. We got some friends up in here tuning in, or friends up in Boone here tuning in, as well as my dad tuning in on a road trip right now. So shout out to all of y'all, and shout out to TCU who openly just bashed themselves in a press conference, calling themselves the laughing stock of college football. You gotta gotta embrace it. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Ryan for being the only media member to support the NCAA's decision to ban Tez Walker from this season. Uh, yeah. Also, shout out to my grandma uh, on site with David. Uh, shout out to all my friends and family listening, and just shout out to Cody. Uh, he's going to be calling the game with me this weekend. He put together put together a great little like App State underdog awesome. David and Goliath uh, like Marty Smith style. This report, he's doing interviews this week. The whole crew is doing a lot, but just special shout out to Cody. Uh, that'll do it Cody. for another episode go, of Cody. Sports Wrap. I'm your host, Lucas Warren. I'm joined by Riley Carlson, Ryan Hendricks, and David Katzemeyer. We'll send you back to your regularly scheduled music.